Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. What I'm going to share with you today is called Red Flags. Everybody say Red Flags. Now, if you were in the accounting area and you were going in to look over someone's books and you began to see things that weren't exactly the way that they needed to be. And so as an accountant, as you look over those books, you'll, you may say, well, that's a red flag to me. Now, red flags, I mean, you know, if you, a, a red flag in itself meant... You know, it, it caused people, when a red flag would go up, it caused them to get angry and be vexed. You know what I'm saying? But I want to tell you, today, the red flags that I'm going to share with you, it shouldn't cause you to get angry because of the word, maybe angry at the devil and angry at yourself, maybe for allowing certain things or whatever. But we should be troubled when a red flag comes up in our life as a Christian. And so I want to share with you what I feel like that the Spirit of God dropped in my heart just several days ago. And we're going to be looking into the Scriptures this morning. So red flags that I'm going to be talking about this morning are possibly areas that we need to look into our life and examine. Now, I'm not here to examine you. You let the Holy Spirit examine you. I'm not here to condemn or call anybody guilty. I'm just here. I'm reporting the news. This is, listen to me, this is Breaking news. How many times are we watching television on the news channels? And here it pops up. This is breaking news. Okay, I've got breaking news for you this morning. Okay, I really feel like God wants the church, not just this church, but he wants the church at large to pay attention to red flags that are going off in lives in this day. Amen. Now, Hebrews 12, I'm going to read here for just a moment. Um, in verse number five, I'm going to start in the middle of the verse. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord. Well, I told you, you ready for that Jericho march? nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. But really, this King James language sounds really harsh. And what God is saying is whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, he trains, and he corrects. Isn't that what we're to do with our children? And so when we think about disciplining our children, we don't think about hurting them, do we? No, we think about training and correcting. Now, I want to tell you something. In John 15, the Bible says, You are purged by my word. You are clean or you are cleaned up and you're set on the right course through my word. And so God is not in the business of chastening in a way that where he's going to give you cancer to teach you something. That is error and it's been taught. And if you don't do what God wants you to do, he's going to hit you over the head with a ball bat. Those things, I don't want you to think about that this morning because that's not the way that God operates. Now, I will tell you this. If you do not listen to God and you go contrary to him and you get in sin and you get in disobedience, I'm going to tell you, it isn't God that chastens you at that point. It's you flew you wide open the door. It came wide open 
And then the devil comes right in. The Bible says, don't give the devil a toehold. Don't even let him get his toe in the door. Because once he does, he's coming on through every bit. It won't be a little bit. So what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is... Some things that I feel like that God wants to say to minister to his people to help them get in a position to where they can receive from him. And sometimes we're off in a ditch somewhere or we're off on a wrong direction and we don't even know why things are going haywire in our life. And I want to talk about some of those things this morning and help us get on course. Listen, I'm a pastor and, and you know, for those of you that this is your church, I love you. I care about you. That's why I want to listen to God. And that's why I want to hear the Holy Spirit about what I preach. And I can tell you, Pastor Ed, what does he do? He prays and he seeks God. What we say and what we preach in here. Because we know that every week there's going to be an assembly that's not going to be in the same way it was the week before. And we have needs. You know, we've told you, Eddie and I both, we've been preaching on faith because we've got to uh, to counter this fear that's in the world and, and everywhere you turn around. So we've tried, we not we haven't tried, we have. We've imparted the faith that comes from the Word of God. And so I'm here today not to, uh, again, to condemn you or say you're guilty, but I'm here so that we all can begin to look in some areas of our life and say, God, what would you have me do here? You know, and so if correction, if training and discipline is needed, that that can take place. Now, let's go to the end of, um, or we'll just read all the verse number nine, that same chapter. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh, which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be into subjection unto the father of spirits? He corrects you spiritually. Now, I'm going to tell you, my father, and I, you've heard me talk about him before, good old Baptist pastor, but I tell you what, when it come to correction time, my daddy knew how to do it. He said, all right, you go out there and you, that tree and you get me a switch off that tree. Well, today it's called child abuse. But I tell you, it whipped some sense into me and some wrong things out. He'd strike my legs good. And somebody would look at it and, you know, they'd know what happened. I must have done something I wasn't supposed to do. And I'm going to tell you, I've misbehaved in church. And, and, and my dad, you know, and he would look back there and give me that look and see they didn't have children's church then. And I knew when he gave me the look, I was going to get it when I got home. <laughs> and I would be so good in that car going home. And I would give him a call. Oh, that was wonderful message, you know, whatever, you know, whatever a kid might, you know, come into their head to say, but you know what? That didn't stop him. When I got home, it was switch time for me or whatever, you know, he was going to use. But you know what? I learned through that. Well, the Bible says, just as your fathers correct you, and it wasn't all switching, you know, there were, you know, words of correction and, and you know, that, but I knew my father loved me, okay? But the thing about it is, he says that God, just like your parents correct you in the flesh, God corrects you in the spirit, and I'm going to tell you, there have been times where I felt like I had a spanking from God, where I just, oh, I was so troubled. Maybe I said something or I did something and I knew it wasn't right, but I felt the discipline and the correction of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so I want to give you the right frame here about what we're talking about, okay? So we're not saying that God uses evil means to to um, correct us and discipline us and train us as God's people. But I'm going to tell you, if you look around in the world today with our children, what do you see? Undisciplined children that have not been corrected. You can go into a restaurant. I was somewhere the other day and honest, I thought I was not going to be able to stand it until I could get out. 
because there was a child in there that was running around screaming and yelling and the parents just smiling. And it's like, do you not know that that's obnoxious and you may think it's cute, but nobody else does? Well, what do you think about Christians? We get obnoxious and we're doing those kinds of things. Well, God's not standing there smiling at us, I'll tell you that, and saying, aren't they cute? No, he's saying, look, daughter, son, we got some things we got to talk about. We got some things we got to get straight. Amen? And so God corrects us and he trains us as a child in our spirits. He speaks to us. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. I want you um, to turn to Matthew 10, 39. Uh, I'm going to read out of the Amplified if you want to put the, the Amplified up. It says, whoever finds his lower life will lose it. What's the lower life? It's that fleshly life. It's just living for self, living for flesh. So whoever finds his lower life will lose it. Lose it what? The higher life. What is the higher life? The higher life is living on a different plane with the Holy Spirit involved in your life where you can overcome in every situation. That's the higher life. Doing it God's way. Amen? And whoever loses his lower life, gives it up, says no to that, on my account, talking about Jesus, he will find it the higher life. And so if you lay down all the fleshly ways and desires and, you know, I want to have it my way. You know, um, we're talking about children. And I, I know my mother told me that when I was a baby, probably like less than two years old, that if I didn't get my way, I would lay down in the floor and begin to hit my head, you know, because I wanted my way. That's the lower life. But you know what? It's time to get up out of the floor beating our head and being rebellious and have to have our way and gaining the higher life. Because I'm going to tell you the higher life is the place to live. The higher life is the place of blessing. The higher life is the place of abundance. The higher life is where the inheritance is imparted. Can you say amen? So we can live below our covenant and wonder all the while why it's happening to us. But I want to share some things this morning in these red flags that may point out some things to you. And you know, the Holy Spirit has this unique way of speaking to us each individually about things that are going on. And it may not be anything that I say, but something that just spurs something in your life and the Holy Spirit will take it and turn it and show you something. And if he does, then so be it. Amen. But I choose to walk the higher life. Amen. We need to make good, wise decisions because decisions are going to determine our destiny. And so when we talk about being disciplined, being trained, and being correctable, then we need to understand sometimes we get off course in this Christian walk, and God will help you get back on course. Amen? So the first red flag I want to talk about this morning is when there's a lack of God's love. When there's a lack of God's love. Now, I want you, if you will... To turn with me to Matthew, we're going to look here in Matthew 24. And these scriptures that we're going to look at, or this one scripture, before it, it talks about the end, you know, the disciples are saying, what are some of the signs going to be? The signs of you know, the end of the age. What, what, what are some of those signs? And Jesus begins to, to tell his disciples, well, it's going to be wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences and all these things. But if you go down here in verse number 12, it says, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What is iniquity? Iniquity is sin. It's wickedness. 
whatever you know you want to call it. And he said, because of that, that is going to be upon the earth. See, there is a spirit of wickedness and perversion that is released on the, at the end times. We're in that time and that has been released. So how does the Christian live in the world, but not be of the world? Well, here's one good way is to stay in the love of God. But now listen, because iniquity shall abound, or it's going to be everywhere, not just little pockets here and there, but it's going to be everywhere. And it goes on to say, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, I believe that this is twofold. I believe that this waxing cold in love is love for God and also brotherly love toward others. Why do I say that? Because if you read the Bible and you, and, and you read what Jesus has to say and the commandments and, and what he gave to the church and he said, this is the first commandment, that you love me with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. See, we've got to have a love for God where you say, well, you know, I really don't know God. It's hard to love God because I don't know him. Well, you know, there's certain things that you can do to get to know God. First of all, you love him because he first loved you. Then you can love him because he saved your soul from hell. Think about when you see Jesus portrayed as hanging on that cross and shedding his blood. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing to me. Father, forgive them. And so when you begin to look at why should we love God? Because he is the lovely one. He is the redeemer. He is the rescuer. He took us out of darkness and he gave us eternal life. We were on our way to hell and now he says you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven. You can have a home in heaven. Each one of us, if Jesus doesn't come, we are going to die. And we're going to leave this earth. And when we leave it, that body is laying down. But I'm going to tell you, you are going to live on forever. And you're going to live in one or two places. And if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you've called upon Him, and you have are living for Him, if He's your Lord and Savior, you're living. It doesn't mean that you've just got hell insurance. I tell you one of the saddest things, and this has just been recently, someone I know passed away, and I'm on my way home, and I just heard the news, and I began to cry out to God, oh my God, I know I can't pray that they'll be saved, but I don't know if they are or not. But it won't do any good to pray at this point. And I had prayed for this person before. But that's a sad thing to get down to the end of your life and not know if you've made preparations. Well, I remember I did this when I was six years old. Well, I don't want to take anything away from that. But I'm going to tell you something. You have to continue in your walk with the Lord. What are you doing today? And some people turn their back on the Lord and don't continue to serve Him. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to stand up here and say, well, you're okay. You did that when you were sick, so now you're going to... I'm not saying that because that's dangerous. And I don't even believe it anyway. I believe if you, Jesus is your Lord and Savior, it's not only in word, but there's something in your life that shows it. And others can look at it and see it. So the love... For God is going to wax cold. You know, if you think this word, if you look it up, wax means little by little. And see, when wickedness and perversion and iniquity is in the world, it will erode and try to eat away at your love for God. Because everywhere you turn and everything you see is so contrary to God. But I'm going to tell you, in the midst of that, God says that you can have a love that will see you through. So we don't need to be getting weaker in our love for God. We need to be growing stronger in that love for Him. But really, if you want to know the truth, what I want to zero in at this, this red flag, this first red flag, is more of our love toward others. A red flag when you have a lack of love for other people. 
And you know, only you can gauge that. Some people, they have no compassion and no mercy, and they'll just say, well, that's my personality. I want to tell you, you had a personality transplant when Jesus came in and the Holy Spirit filled you. You're not that old same stinking cantankerous person that came to the Lord. The Bible says you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Well, we're ready for that Jericho march. Well, you know it's the truth, don't you? You know that it is. When Jesus comes in, but you see that love for other people, it's there. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not challenging people. Every one of us today, tomorrow, uh, you know, just constantly we face people that challenge us in this brotherly love. But I want you to take your Bible and I want you to flip over to Revelation and I want us to look at a, a, a church in chapter number two. I want us to look at this church. That's, this was a literal church, but also it's, um, it, it shows us what will be in the end times. All these seven churches that are here, and this is one of them, okay? This is the church at Ephesus. The church at Ephesus was, you know, it was a wealthy city. It, it was just a, a city that was um, uh, just bursting with, you know, uh, economy was really good and all that kind of thing. And here uh, in this city, the church was right in the middle of that. Now listen to this. Verse number two. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and that thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. Okay, now as you look at that, here is a church that... Um, God begins to say, this, these are really positive things here. These are really positive. This church, they labor. That means that they will toil to the point of exhaustion. Whatever it takes, God, we're going to do it. We're going to pull this off for you, Lord. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to have the camps. We're going to do the summer of services. We're going to, you know, just do this, that, and the other. And God's pleased with that. And he said, they are people who labor. And also, they're people that have good works. I know thy works. They were energetic people. They weren't lazy and lethargic. They were very energetic about what they were doing for the Lord. Okay? And then they had patience. In other words, they had like a, a, a triumphant fortitude about them. In other words, when you see patience there, don't, don't think as, well, they just bowed their head and, you know, just let everybody run over them and whatever would be, would be. No. It meant that they had patience and come hell or high water, they were going to do the work of God. They were going to uh, accomplish the purpose of God. And they were going to have patience until they got to the desired result. Now, do you see that? Great church here. Great church he's talking about. Every pastor wants a church like this. And how thou cannot bear them which are evil. And, and, and it goes on to say, and the ones that, you know, were saying that they were of God and weren't and heresy, you know, there were heresy all around them and they could see that. They looked at and they could see evil and they hated evil. I don't know about you. I look in the world today and I see evil and I hate it. I hate it. I do not hate the sinner, but I do hate the sin that is in the world. That's good. That's positive. Heresy, finding heresy. They, they were good at doing that and pointing out things that weren't biblically correct and solid. That's good. That's very good. And we should do that and not just be tossed about with every wind of doctrine, but we should be solid in our faith, okay? But now, then it goes on to say, I'm going to skip to verse number four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, listen, because thou hast left thy first love. Now I want to, I want through this church here that's being shown, they have such good, positive qualities, like I said, that we would want in this church or any church would want. But there was a motive 
that was not the way that God said. They had waxed cold in their love, in that Christian love that they were showing. They had got to the point where they could point out everybody's faults and they could be critical and judgmental. But when it came to loving people and winning them and bringing them to the Lord, they couldn't do that. They had left their first love. That's a red flag in our life, folks. When we do, when we, we got to get every I dotted and every T crossed, but we do not care about souls and about people. Well, I'm not going to have, you know, I'm not going to talk to them or have anything to do with them because they're thieves or, uh, you know, they're adulterers or they're this, that, and the other. Well, you don't buddy up and bring them home and be their best friend. I'll be the first to tell you that. But how are they ever going to know God if you do not and I do not manifest the love of God to other people? They've got to see Jesus in us. They've got to see Jesus when we rise up, when we speak, when we do things. They've got to see Jesus in us. We don't need to lose our first love. And that is our love for God. And he said the first commandment is that you love God with all your heart. But the second part of that is that you love your neighbor as yourself. We're good at loving ourselves for the most part. Most people are. But he said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Treat people right. Do the right things when it comes to people. You know, I've been in situations, even recently, where things were, they were not, people were not living godly in Christ Jesus. Things were really out of order. And you know, I could go in there and I could say, well, you know, bless God, that's why this is happening and you ought to do this and you ought, but you know what? I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to pray I'm going to love them. I'm going to share the truth. I'm going to speak the truth, but I'm going to do it in love. But I'm not going to try to push it down anyone's throat. And before they know that I love them, I'm not going to start it. You understand what I'm saying? So we have to learn how to express God's love in such an unlovely world. People are, you know, we, we've done this summer of service and people are shocked when we do things for them. Why would you do that for me? You know, what's the motive behind that? What do you want from me? Because that's the way the world is. But God says, you know, he gave his love. He gave his love toward us. He gave himself and demonstrated love. And see, that's what we have to do. And then it is going to be unusual for this world, but it's still the right thing to do, isn't it? And so that first red flag is, you know, and there's so much that that I could say here, but I, I want to move on. I know I've got limited time this morning. There's, you know, I say this every time, but I always have more information than I ever have time to share, but I, I am going to try to share a little bit more with you. And so this first red flag, and we need to examine ourselves: is, is the love of God flowing through our life? Is there a lack of the love of God that, that we share with other people? Amen. The second red flag is disregarding the scriptures as absolute truth. Now, folks, you say, oh, well, yeah, I know that. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But how often do we do it? You see, now I want you to listen to me. We are bombarded every day of our life through the media, through movies, through news, through music, you know, everywhere we go, they're playing this loud music and, and we don't even know it. In every movie that we go to, there's an agenda. And, and, you know, you can call me a fanatic if you want, but I believe it really is the truth. I believe there's a contrived plan to take the people of God and twist and turn things to where we don't even know what the truth is anymore. Why else would we live in a society that has gone haywire and our families are falling apart. And this, you know, instead of getting married, we live with this one and have illegitimate kids. And if you've been in that situation, you know, I, and, and you've repented of that, I'm not here to condemn you. But if you're in it, you better look at what you're doing. Because it will send you to hell. Oh, we don't, we don't talk about hell in my church. Well, you're not in your church, so we're talking about it here at Redemption today. Because you, 
If you don't live godly in Christ Jesus, I'm going to tell you. And you continue to habitually live in sin. You get away from God and you're not going to go to heaven. I'll just tell you that. Unless you get things right. And anytime you want to, you can do that. Amen? But we, we go to the movies and every you watch what I'm saying. Every movie... That is that I have seen, whether it's a children's movie or what, they will try to get a homosexual agenda in there some way, somehow. It's the same on TV. Slip it in when it doesn't even fit. Now, you know, do I hate homosexuals? Absolutely not. I do not. I don't hate adulterers. I don't hate fornicators. I don't hate liars. I don't hate thieves. I don't hate anybody. But I'm here to tell you that you have to hate the sin that God says is an abomination. And so, see, in the movies and the music, it twists and turns. Well, you know, why, why should we get married? Let's just live together and see if it works out. Well, you know, that's one way to sabotage the whole relationship and it'll never work out. It's been proven. I mean, that's been proven. Well, we can just have children. You know, we don't have to be married. That's right. That's right. You can. You can do that. And your children can be a mess and not know the security of a mom and dad who love them and are committed to each other. And out of that commitment and love to each other, those children were born into it, into the marriage. So if you don't want that, yeah, I guess you can. But you see, in the music, you know, in the movies, that's, you may not want me to say this, but I'm saying it anyway. You meet somebody one day, and next week, you're having a physical relationship with them. You think that's God? I don't think so. I don't think it is. But you see, all these things are addressed in the Word of God. Every one of them. But you see, you take the Word that is an absolute truth. It's the fact. It's the reality. No matter what anybody else says, things are going on in the world that are contrary to God. And we can't, we can't stop that or change that. But we can stop what's happening in our world and with our family. And you know, if you have adult children, you can't even tell them anymore. But I'm going to tell you, you can share with them the right things in a way where they can receive it instead of preaching at them. You can share the truth and you can uh, tell them what the scripture says because that is the absolute truth. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, sanctify them through thy truth. Set people apart through the truth of God's Word. And then he goes on to say, Thy Word is truth. So what is the truth? The truth is the Bible. The truth is when I open these scriptures and you open your Bible and we begin to read, this is the truth. Well, that's not what, that's not what I'm hearing on television. That's not what I'm seeing in the movies. That's not what I'm hearing in the music. Yeah, but that's not the absolute truth. That's things that men have decided to do to go their own way and disregard God and leave God out of the equation. Or you will hear people that will take the Word of God and they will twist it. And they will twist it to fit whatever sin that they're in. But you see, that's not God's way. You know what? This morning... And as I prepared this, you know, there may be things that are hitting us coming and going, you know, or maybe not. I don't know. But you know what? Because it hits me cross-grain uh, does not mean that I don't need to change. I agree with that more than I agree with my flesh. I agree with that more than I agree with what I want to do. I agree with God. 
See, and a red flag is when you begin to disregard what the Word of God says and other people start putting things in. And and then pretty soon, folks, if we do not know the Scripture, we begin to buy into it. Well, that's not so bad after all. You know, we just need to accept that. We need to embrace this. No, you don't. If it's not... If it's not absolute truth from the Scripture, we don't need to embrace it. Well, then I'm not going to fit in. I'm going to be different. That's exactly right. We are peculiar people. Now, I want to tell you something, though. I want to tell you this. You know, some people think, well, you know, I'm going to show everybody that I love God. I'm going to show everybody. And uh, so, you know, and, and I, now I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm going to wear my dresses down to here and I'm going to take off all my jewelry and I'm not going to wear any makeup. Honey, if I did that, you all would run out of here today. <laughs> I like makeup. I like jewelry. <laughs> okay, but if you don't, I don't have a problem with that. But if we're trying to show the world how much we love God and how holy we are and how we're following the absolute truth by doing that, we are missing the mark. God didn't tell us to do those things. He said modest apparel, cover your body up. It doesn't mean that not anything can show, but you know, they're, what do we call private parts? Private parts. Okay. Well, now I got you going now, don't I? <laughs> but see, the church for too long has tried to show the world look, I love God. I love God. Be like me. And it's like, be like you. No, I don't want to be like you. I want to be like Jesus. And you know, it's just like Brother Hagin said, any old barn looks better with a little paint. So it's not so much, I mean, I, I believe obviously modest apparel and, and doing things, you know, in moderation, you know, I don't, you know, I don't come up here with, you know, bracelets all the way down here, you know, if you do that, that's between you and God, you talk to him, but I think that's for me would be, you know, over the top, you know, and so I do, I do listen to the Holy Spirit sometimes and he'll say, don't wear that in that setting that you're going into or Take that piece of jewelry off or something like that. I listen to the Holy Spirit. I do. And that's okay. You know, that's okay. But if we're trying to strip ourselves of... I'm not going to get into that. But You understand what I'm saying? You can try to show the love of God and... Um, to other people and let them know how much you believe the Scriptures. And all we're doing is just turning them off. Amen. Now listen to this. The, the scriptures are, again, absolute truth. Psalms 138, verse number 2 in the Amplified. For you have exalted above all else your name. Isn't that something? The name of Jesus is above every name. And I believe if you find yourself in a situation, I've used the name of Jesus, and I've seen a situation more than once turn around. In the name of Jesus, Father, I plead the blood right now. In the name of Jesus, I pray for safety and protection. I've seen God almost in a car wreck one time. I mean, sliding off the road in the snow. And I began to say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to tell you my car was straightened up and I didn't go into the ditch. That's one time. That's just something that comes to my mind. But there's lots of times we need to, we need to know that. I know my brother. I don't know if he's here this morning, but he, he told me once that he had gone, uh, into the ocean and was swimming. And, um, he, he started drowning and he couldn't do anything about it because he was being pulled out. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And he be, he said, you know how they say that your life flashes before you when when you when you die. He said, I'm going to tell you. I don't I don't understand it. I don't even know how to tell you what happened. But he said, my life just flashes began to go by. He said, I knew that I was dying. And he had heard the teaching about the name of Jesus, and he just began to cry out, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, help me. 
And he said, I don't know how it happened, but I got back to the shore. Well, we know how it happened, and he knew how it happened. Amen? Amen. So he said, for you have exalted above all else your name and your word. And you have, now listen to this, have magnified your word above all your name. Now, if the name of Jesus is as powerful as we know that it is, he said, I have magnified or lifted up or made in, in, in a great, put in a greater light my word. And so when we talk about absolute truth, we, we have to talk about the scripture. Not what someone said, not what a philosopher said, not what this great one of wisdom said, but it's what the Bible says. You know, I've had people sharing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's like, well, I don't believe that. Well, I'm reading it out of the Bible. I still don't believe that. Well, you know, some people, they just are not going to receive, are they? You know, you can still believe that the world's not round if you want to, but that's not going to change it, is it? So he said, and you have magnified your word above all your name. And then also he said in Matthew twenty two twenty nine, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. See, we get into error when we don't know the scriptures. Why? Because we live a certain way. Uh, uh, that's the wrong way and it's contrary to God, but many times we don't even know it because we get into error because we don't know the scriptures. And so we need to know them. And once we know them, it is up to us to believe it and to act upon it as children of God. Can you say amen? amen. All right. So the first red flag was the lack of God's love. When that flag comes up, you know, we need to t do something about it. The second red flag is when we start disregarding what the scripture says and making excuses for our life. The third red flag is an unwillingness to forgive and to move on with our life. Now, I, I don't have a lot of time uh, to be here, but on this red flag, but I'll just tell you, the Bible says that there was a man and this man owed about $10 million. And he went to the one that he owed the money to, and he told him, he said, would you forgive me and release me from this debt? And the man had compassion and had mercy, and he forgave the man of a $10 million debt. Think about it. That's the equivalent of what, you know, in today's standards, what the scripture says. And then the Bible says this same man that was forgiven of so much, he came to an, a, a, a man that owed him $18. And the man that owed him $18, would you please forgive me? I, I can't repay you. I don't have this. Will you please forgive me of this debt? And that man got angry that had been given, uh, forgiven of so much, he got angry and wouldn't release and wouldn't forgive this man of the $18 debt. Now think about that. Well, you say, well, that's awful. Well, but now see, I want you to realize this. We, in many cases, are like this man who wouldn't forgive. We've been get forgiven a $10 million debt. Our sin, you know, what we deserve. And Jesus said, Give me that debt. Give me all of that. I'll take it. And you are forgiven. But then we turn around and someone hurts us and they legitimately hurt us and they wound us and they say bad things about us, but yet we will not release them. And God said, when you stand praying, if you do not forgive, I won't forgive you. Now, there have been many instances in my life where I have been hurt and every one of us could testify and say, yes, amen, that's right. But I'm going to tell you, there are times when you are hurt and you are hurt to your very core. And what happened to you shouldn't have happened. But I'm going to tell you, the way into healing in that situation is to release it 
to the Lord and let it go. Not too long ago, there was a situation and I'd gone to the Lord and I'm not going to give you a lot of details about it because y'all will be trying to dig around and figure out what it is. I know you. Because you might be just like me. I don't know. No, I wouldn't try to do that. But anyway, I, I had gone before the Lord a number of times. And I told the Lord, Lord, I, I forgive this person. You know how hurt. Not only hurt, but I was devastated. I was devastated by that. And you know I have told you many times, I release it and let it go. However many times it takes is what I do. And those feelings rise up on the inside of you. I release it. I let it go. Well, there was this one last time I was coming before the Lord with that because of the devastation and the hurt and the pain that was in my life. And I, you know, I've shared this before, but sometimes when I go in before the Lord, I, I like to go like this with my hands out saying, Lord, here, that, here is that situation. Here is that person. And you, you know what's gone, gone on here. You know it wasn't right. You know the, that Christ's love was not exhibited in what they did. And so there's no question about that. But I cannot be right before you and keep picking this up. So I come one more time, and this is my last time, because I'm believing that you are going to help me. And I'm, I'm moving through this, and I'm going on. And so I came in, and I did it literally, literally, here it is, God. I give it to you. And I sent such an anointing come on me when that happened. And I released that. And I'm telling you, something broke just like that. Just like snapping your fingers, it broke. But now, the rest of the time, every time, you know, I was coming to the Lord. See, so however many times it takes. You know, Peter said, how many times do we need to forgive? Seven and Jesus said, boy, you got that wrong. Seventy times seven. Four hundred and ninety times a day we have to forgive. But you see, I'm telling you that to say that when I released it and came clean before the Lord, what was going on? I don't want this. This is not what I like. I was totally and completely released. And do you know, I could see the person. I could talk to the person and be totally free from that. I am totally free from it. Totally free from it. You see, but it's a process and it doesn't happen overnight. Amen? So we have to, we have to forgive. And if we don't forgive, that's a red flag in our life. And we have to be able to pick up and go on with our life. Amen? I was reminded, and this is my last red flag that I'm talking about today. I've got others, but... You know, I was reminded of the story in the Bible. Have you ever read about uh, Ahithophel? Have you ever read about him, Ahithophel? Well, I thought some of you were going to name your child that or something. No? Okay. <laughs> Who's having a baby? I got a name for you. Okay, let me tell you about Ahithophel, okay? Ahithophel was a counselor to David, and you know David's life. David was a man that pleased God, a, God uh, a man after God's own heart, although he didn't do everything right, did he? Just like us. He made mistakes just like we do. But Ahithophel was a counselor for many years with David. And then when David's son, Absalom, rose up and was going to take over the kingdom from David, steal the throne from David, Ahithophel, David's own counselor for many years came over to Absalom's side and began to counsel Absalom. Now, I began to look at that, and I began to, why would he do that? And you know, God showed me this many years ago, and you know why he did it? Because he had never forgiven David. Ahithophel was Bathsheba's grandfather. And you know the situation with Bathsheba. She entered into adultery with David, David killed her husband, Uriah. She was uh, then, of course, going to have a baby by David, and, and her husband didn't know it. So David, you know, the only way to deal with this is to kill him. So he did. He murdered, had him murdered. 
And so Ahithophel never got over that and carried it with him. Now listen, to his grave. You know how I know that? Because finally, when Absalom didn't take Ahithophel's counsel, Absalom knew better than to listen to someone that was so full of unforgiveness, even in his sinful state. And Ahithophel went out and committed suicide. So he took that unforgiveness to the grave with him. Do you know that we can take unforgiveness to the grave with us too? It could be a child that has hurt us. It could be a marriage, you know, where someone cheated on us and left us and, and, and you know, we were devastated or whatever the case may be. And we can turn into, uh, you know, like Naomi that we read about in the Bible. And Naomi was... Going back to her hometown, she had been in Moab living there and her three sons died and her husband died and she had such a hard time. She's coming back into her own country and they're coming out and surrounding her. And everybody's saying, who is this woman? Who is this one? Well, it's not like she had been gone for that long. What it was is her countenance was so changed. And she said, don't call me Naomi or pleasant anymore because I'm not pleasant. Call me Mara because I'm bitter. And you see, it's a red flag when you won't forgive and you get into bitterness. Bitterness is like rottenness to the bones, the Bible says. And when you get bitter, the Bible says it's a root of bitterness and it defiles many. In other words... A per, one person's bitterness, like Ahithophel, could turn into Absalom's and this one and that one and this one and that one if we, if we don't deal with it and let it go. You see, all these three things that I've talked about today, they are red flags in our life. A, a fourth one I'm not going to even talk about is not dealing with strife in your life. And then the fifth one is a lack of a holy lifestyle. All those are red flags in the life of a believer. And I wish I had time to share more on that, but I don't. You said, thank God. Whew. Now, but I want to tell you, as God's people, we got to live right. And we've got to live according to the book. We have a responsibility to teach you and to share right things with you. And if it's not popular or people, you know, want to put their fingers in their ears and not listen, that cannot stop the preaching of the gospel. It cannot stop the precepts that are found in this book. we got to live the way God says that we have to live. And folks, I'm preaching and speaking to you, and I really believe this. I mean, I do. Since I came to the Lord, I've always believed. I may not always do right, I might not always talk right, and there may be times that, you know, something I do may not be pleasing to the Lord, just like you. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to make excuses for my life. Don't you make excuses for yours. If these are red flags that are in your life, something this morning that the Holy Spirit has talked to you about, deal with it and get it right. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.